2: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the gold dome. The census counts every person living in the United States and its territories once every 10 years, and the government uses that data in all sorts of important ways, from deciding how to distribute resources to redrawing political boundaries. A recent federal report shows Georgia ranks second to last among the 50 states with its response rate lagging behind only Alabama. Joining us on this episode of Politically Georgia is Rebecca DeHart, the CEO of Fair Count, an organization working to, quote, ensure Georgians and communities across the country get a fair count in the 2020 census. Rebecca, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much, Greg, for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
2: Yeah, well, let's start. What's your role at Fair Count and what kind of work are you doing ahead of the census and and, and the need for this organization?
1: Yeah, Fair Count started in uh 2019 in anticipation of the 2020 census and the goal was to help assist get a fair and accurate count in Georgia and then shortly thereafter we expanded our reach a little and had it be Georgia and the nation um we we really looked at historical trends of the census and saw that Georgia, southern states and particularly states with a high population of what people call hard- to count communities, which are uh, communities that have gone undercounted decade after decade in the census. I, I actually don't like that term. I, it, puts the, it, it puts like sort of the blame on the community like there's something wrong with them that makes them hard to count instead of you know us not having a good uh, doing a good job of counting them. But anyhow, regardless, you know, states with large, hard to count communities are undercounted uh, decade after decade, and Georgia is definitely one of them. And so, with so much at stake, more than $1.5 trillion in resources that are dispersed. Every year through um, the census allocations uh, with the distribution of political power through reapportionment and redistricting, we knew that Georgia could not lag uh, this year in in the 2020 census. And so we um, started a nonprofit called Fair Count that works to make sure everyone participates in the census. Uh, We did it through through a few different ways. We're a staff now of of a little over 30. We actually have organizers in six states as well. Um, But we run a field program. We have a faith program where we tap into faith communities to do civic engagement work. We do a technology innovation program. When we learned that the majority of the census would be online for the first time, we were very concerned about areas in Georgia that have little to no access Access to the internet, so we put one hundred and fifty internet installations all throughout those areas, um, and then we also do, you know, a large uh, sort of public information and media campaign, and a lot of partnerships with national programs as well, augmenting their census strategies to try and really increase uh, mobilization and awareness about the twenty twenty census.
2: And there is a tremendous amount of resources, as you mentioned, more than a tr- one point f- about one point five trillion dollars worth of resources that will be allocated because of the census, but also redistricting in Georgia. I mean, how the census, how this count is conducted will really determine the next 10 years of political maps for for, for the state of Georgia and every other state.
1: At least. I mean, and and with the resources, that we can't talk about that enough. Uh, $1.5 trillion in resources through more than 300 federal programs. These are our kids' schools, hospitals, Medicaid, Medicare, the roads we drive on, economic development programs, environmental programs, the list goes on. Just about every dollar that is circulated through our government somehow is touched by the census, and the census somehow sort of directs it through the algorithm of how it will be distributed. But yes, political power is is just as important, particularly, um, you know, as we go into a reapportionment and redistricting, and, and particularly in Georgia as well. You know, Georgia is not known uh, for its lack of gerrymandered districts. theres a good is, way to put it. Uh, <laughs> there is, there's been a lot of efforts decade after decade after decade by folks that are holding political power to retain and grow that political power there are moves nationally that are underfoot and georgia will be a testing ground for them um you know that will try and change the way we do redistricting not just this time for the next 10 years but how we change it going forward in the future and this census has been caught up in the politicization of all of that
2: Okay, so so okay, let's let's go right into it though, because so what, in what ways has the census become uh, political?
1: Well, I think it first started. Um Back with the with this citizenship question that they tried to put on the census. I mean, reading the Hoffeller files—if—if—if if, if any of your listeners have not gone back and and sort of reread that saga, it's like reading a John Grisham novel. You know, here's this guy who is uh, known as this mastermind for the right for redistricting and comes up with this idea that if we could put a citizenship question on the census, one, it may collect some data, but two, it would suppress. Uh, participation in the census to such a degree that it would drastically affect the way we do apportionment and redistricting, guaranteeing that we would have, in his words, um, a more, a a greater majority of white, non-Hispanic Republican leaning districts. So he dies, his daughter uncovers all of these files on his computer and realizes that he's been feeding the Department of Justice these lines about why they should put the citizenship question on. So that's that's probably the first big moment of when we realized how heavy handed the politics were. And what his always been relatively a very apolitical process. You know, folks that work at the Census Bureau are lifers. You know, these are folks that do it. They're statisticians. They they really try and keep the politics out of it. So the pre- Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. So then the Trump administration does an executive order where he starts asking the Census Bureau to correct, to collect these records in another way. And then the Trump administration did this executive order that asked the Census Bureau to start collecting, you know, citizenship data through, you know, Department of Driver Services and other places through the states in anticipation of releasing redistricting data. And then even more recently, you know, late this summer, um, the Trump administration did an executive order saying basically that they were going to exclude... Um, folks that they believed to be undocumented without telling us how they would even get those lists, because generally they, they don't exist. And I want to be very clear, the 2020 census does not ask about one's citizenship, um, but wanted to go ahead and, and, and do the reapportionment numbers uh, of Congress with, uh, by calling folks that they believed were to be undocumented. Other parts where, where politics have, have affected this is, of course, you know, actually funding it got caught up in all sorts of battles. I mean, at one point, budgets for the census were caught up on whether or not a wall was going to be built between the United States and, and Mexico. So we were delayed in funding. It was understaffed for a while. It was underfunded. There was decisions by the administration to call things like in 2010, we had 39,000 questionnaire assistance centers. These were placed all around the United States where people could go to get help with the census. They, they got rid of them. There are zero in favor of this mobile unit that has turned out to be completely ineffective, not only because there is a pandemic. Um, Now, what we're seeing is absolutely unprecedented as far as uh, making the census political, and that is arbitrarily changing the deadlines for the timing of of when the census is going to be done and when the data is going to be delivered to the administration. So for the first time in modern history, we are going to have the shortest non-response follow-up period. During a pandemic, no less, while the undercounts are the greatest they have been in decades, to only to rush it, to get it done by the end of this month so that this sitting president will be the person who is, receives, in a very choreographed affair, the, the apportionment data after the Census Bureau announces the numbers. That happens in early January, um, and no matter whatever happens in, in November, whoever becomes president, it is this sitting president, should this deadline continue, uh, be the one to, get the, uh, to, to take possession of that apportionment data before giving it to Congress.
2: And you touched on this but but how has the pandemic changed how you guys operate how the census is 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 being undertaken and 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 how has it added no, more obstacles to to preventing census participation?
1: Yeah, I mean the pandemic has really appended the census completely. Uh, census day is April 1, 2020 and all of the efforts, you know, the, the big national push, the media push, the everybody getting out there and raising awareness for the census really happens in the month of March, particularly those last two weeks of March and culminates on April 1. And of course, around March 12th, 13th, the whole country shut down. Um, right away, census offices had to be shut down. Field offices, field operations ceased and were put on hold because there wasn't a safe path forward. Um, And then, you know, it was compounded by the fact that a lot of outbreaks from this pandemic um, happened in communities that are also traditionally undercounted. Southwest Georgia is such a great example of that. You know, we had some of the highest COVID rates in the nation, in the world. I think that was back in April in Southwest Georgia. And at the same time that they were dealing with these huge COVID outbreaks, you know, the census was still supposed to be going on. It It has absolutely changed the way we reach people, the Delays make it um, give us more time, you know, in between April 1 where people are counting. There's been mass displacement from evictions or people moving to other places to take care of family members or losing jobs. So it has really created... um, big problems for us to solve. Universities shut down when college kids were supposed to be counted on campus and were sent home. And so now is the time to actually make sure that we have enough time to fulfill the Constitution's charge to America, which is count every whole person who lives here, not to cut it short in this arbitrary way um, and leaving so many folks uncounted, and so many problems unsolved, and really truncating uh, the data analysis, where they go forth and the, you know they do the post enumeration survey, and they find out you know whether or not the data, you know, where the data integrity is, and if this is actually capturing an accurate picture, that process was supposed to take six months. Under this new timeline that just came down last month, now they're only giving them 90 days to get that done.
2: So a lot of these problems you outlined are universal throughout the country, right? The the pandemic is challenging every state. Um, uh, The the federal, uh, the White House's administration's um, policies are challenging every state. But my question is, what gives in Georgia? Because this report I was mentioned showed the state ranks second to last among all the states, um, lagging behind only Alabama. It's far behind the national average of, of, of participation. So what, why, why is Georgia struggling in particular uh, with its response?
1: That's right. Right now, um, as of yesterday which was September 9th, the United States was at about an 88.8 percent completion rate in the census, and Georgia was at 80.2. So, uh, you know, almost a full 10 points behind the average of the United States. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. One, Georgia is one of the states that lack any significant investment or infrastructure from its government. You look at a state like California that invested 180 million dollars into ensuring that every person who lives within the state gets counted. Georgia had a 1.5 million uh line item. It was struck in the first round of the governor's budget this year and everything was left up in the air. So there was not there's not a large concerted effort really in as compared to other states that are doing you know, marginally better Two, Georgia is full of what the census bureau calls hard to count communities. Um, you know, and, and as is Georgia is one in the deep South, if you were actually to look at like the, the, the 10 states that are performing, that are struggling to perform with the census, you're going to look at all the states really in the Deep South, as well as like New Mexico, Montana, Arizona, other states that have really um, large populations of color, immigrants and refugees, large native populations. Um, When NARFU, which is the non-response follow-up period, started On August 11th, we really were able to sink into the data a little bit with the self-response rate. And what we found out is in that census tracts that were primarily um, African-American or black were performing about 14 percent below uh, census tracts that were uh, primarily white. Uh, Latinx Hispanic tracts were performing about 11% behind. N- Native American tracts were perform- performing 25% behind. And it's it's not just racial and ethnic dem- demography too, it's rural communities.
2: So what's the most important thing our listeners uh, other than filling out the, their census, which hopefully all of our listeners have done, but if they haven't, they should go ahead and do it immediately. What 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 else should they be looking out for over the next few few weeks?
1: I think, well, one, if you haven't filled out your census, it's so easy. It is safe. It only takes a couple minutes. And go to my2020census.gov online. Um, I can also share the, the 1-800 number um that that you can go to but I think that the most important thing to do is check in on your family and friends you know this is old grassroots organizing uh, at its best go ahead and pick 10 people in your cell phone and text them have you done your census you know we need to make sure that that folks need to know that that they can feel safe that they can feel secure but also that it really matters um when what when a portion of a community doesn't answer the census the entire community will feel that drag it's really important this this isn't something that only affects people as individuals what this is the census is really a we're all in it together type thing and we will do better as a state if we make sure that everyone participates so i would just really push folks to go ahead and and get out there and get that done
2: Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening.